Welcome to Factor Magri. This week on the show, we continue the catchment group journey. And I'm catching up with Simon Stokes, who is an environmental scientist from Simon Stokes Consulting Limited. Simon is vastly experienced in both environmental work and indeed farming. Simon joins me now. Hello, Simon. Thank you for your time today. Hey, you're welcome, Angus. Please tell me about the work that you do. Right. Well, the work I do currently is basically anything that's going to help farmers um, in the primary sector, rural communities move forward in this uh, relatively challenging times. Um, I kind of find it hard to pinpoint primarily what I do because a lot of it's advice, but it's advice based on a lot of experience um, and scientific background um, with regards to natural resource management and probably more specifically the areas around land management and how to um, how to um, implement work on farm. Mm. Um, but, you know, Angus, as you move through your career, which um, has been fairly 27 years now, mm-hmm. um, with a big chunk of it in regional councils, you move through your career and you grow into different skill sets and stuff. So I kind of think I'm a bit of a mixture of an advisor, uh, manager, um, confidence broker, mm-hmm. uh, and someone with a bit of experience. Um, mm. But I really have turned towards really wanting to work at the coalface more and more um, mm. with catchment groups and farmers individually or collectively, um, mm. because I think that's where real change can occur. Um, mm. I've, I've been a bit frustrated over the last few years with regards to the roles that you can have but you just don't seem to make the progress that you'd like, um, which needs to occur. And the farmers are hungry for it. Mm. So, yeah, that's it really in a nutshell. Bit yeah, of a mixed fa- bag, but um, that's what I do. Fantastic. And look, today we are talking about catchment groups. What does a catchment group mean to you? Uh, a catchment group means to me that there is a group of people, possibly with a leader or somebody who you would say is a key driver, Um, and it may be out of an agency or it may be from within the community who are actively looking to progress something that they have all collectively agreed needs to be um, managed or dealt to or there's a problem. Um, And in a sense, I think from that definition, I haven't come across a catchment group yet, Angus, community group, whatever you want to call it, that hasn't been enthusiastic about what they're doing. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I really enjoy about catchment groups. Um, they, they've, they've, they've got into a space where they can feel like they've got some ownership over what they're doing and what they're trying to do to solve something. And that's often what brings them together. Um, and so I think catchment groups um, are an understated, underestimated, powerful future um, for particularly, I suppose, our rural communities and our rural societies. But it shouldn't be seen as being not just rural either because you've got that rural uh, peri-urban uh, urban interface as well. And the mm. more that we connect around that, the better, as you will know. Mm. Um, catchment groups, in some ways, I think, are also something you can't kind of pinpoint and define. Mm. Um, if you even take the word catchment group um, or catchment, like... We defined catchment as a approach in New Zealand just after the 1941 Soil and Water Conservation Act, where 
where we took a lot of uh, learnings from America and how they were dealing with um, their landscape and brought it to New Zealand. Um, and catchments has been a very much a part of our rural landscape and a lot of farmers with a bit of age would know about catchment boards and river authorities. So the word catchment's been around a very long time and it's kind of been focused on the issues that have been in a catchment, defined really by the hydrological nature of a catchment to achieve change and to improve uh, essentially throughout the years uh, a lot of soil conservation work uh, river control work mm. um, and it's kind of modernised itself in the 90s and the 2000s and a lot of that was to do with New Zealand Landcare Trust who um, were just brilliant uh, with some of the early pioneers pioneering facilitators uh, back in the day, uh, Don Ross and Gretchen Robertson and uh, Barbara Stewart, uh, Janet Gregory those they really laid the platform for I suppose a rebirthing of what a catchment group could look like with a more community emphasis mm. as opposed to being agency driven. Mm. Um, and I, I think today, again, uh, if you ask me what one will be defined as tomorrow and what it'll look like, I think it'll change. Yeah. But there's some key fundamentals that, that really I think we've learned need to exist to then essentially um, be flexible to that change and adaptive. Mm. So... Yeah, I think they are the way of the future. I think they'll revitalise communities. I think they'll bring back the community hall. Um, and I think that they will actually allow for a lot of what the government is driving towards with the legislation to actually occur in a way where it is owned by and the responsibility of the change required is set within that community. Uh, and that's a really critical thing, Angus, because if you if you think about it, at the end of the day, a lot of this transformational phase that we're in, and I do think we're in a bit of another historical change in New Zealand for the next um, couple of decades, particularly around agriculture, mm. um, a lot of that's got to hang its hat on behavioural change. And to change your behaviour, you've got to understand it and you've got to feel a bit more deeply about it. And if you add into that mix this growing momentum and, and actually really real responsibility to deliver to uh, the Treaty of Waitangi as well, there's actually a really um, awesome concept uh, of moving forward from a much more deeper Indigenous perspective, mm. which I think, again, will just add more weighting to catchments, catchment community groups, actually really achieving essentially what the government's looking for, but, but within their own way. Mm. Um, you okay. can't have legislation, Angus, basically setting, going out there like the freshwater legislation and asking for a values-driven process with objectives and not expect people to bring their own values to the table. So what are some of these fundamentals you talk about and what things are being done in or near waterways in terms of water quality that are either having a positive impact or in time will actually improve water quality? Yeah, okay. Well, Angus, there's, there's two kind of two parts. There's two questions in there, really. And the second one, I won't dwell on too much because I think it's pretty well known by a lot of us now what landowners are doing with regards to trying to improve their water quality. You know, everything from um, riparian management to, you know, to lower temperature, to reduce uh, contaminants moving through the system, uh, through to wetland enhancement and wetland protection, you know, um, mm. better effluent management, you know, uh, erosion control. I could go on and on. There's mm. a whole suite of things that 
uh, people are doing. Um, and, you know, some of it's getting really um, quite specialised now, uh, such as the work that we've been doing down in Southland with the physiographics uh, approach to understanding the movement of water through the system into groundwater, you know. So there is a lot going on in that space. Mm. But I think the, the key thing with answering your question, though, comes back to the first part, and that is what are the kind of the key dynamics that kind of make a, a good catchment group? Uh, and I hope I haven't rephrased your question, but... No, it's good, um, yeah. It really comes back to some key elements. Um, and while there is a fair amount of research that has looked at this, uh, particularly the social research side of things, which which I, I do think has been perhaps just not recognised as in, a, in as powerful a sense or as empowering a sense as it could be. Um, so there is quite a bit of literature around this. But from my own perspective, I think it comes down to these things. Uh, one is basically um, putting together uh, some sort of uh, strategy slash vision slash planning piece of work to support what you're looking to try to achieve. And you don't want to get trapped in trying to make that all-encompassing right at the start. You just want to be able to focus if your key issue, uh, say, like the Waituna uh, estuary catchment down in Southland, if that's the focus at the start, don't ignore the context of a visioning and strategy and planning to actually really robustly kind of be able to put in place what you're looking to do as to what you're wanting to achieve as to what that might look like. And the second thing is actually really good governance. And I know governance kind of tend to turn a little pe- few people off because they kind of start to think about boards and chairmans and all chairpersons and all sorts of things. But what we're talking about here is that if you want to achieve what you've set out to do, you need some level of body that has responsibility for keeping it on track, um, showing the leadership required. And that's often where your champions sit. Um, and I think that's all I need to really say around that. Um, mm. And I suppose that those two things in themselves, Angus, lead to really giving one of the next key things, which is funding, a place or a certainty to be able to be provided because being in the, having had experience as an external funder, that's what you want to see because it gives you confidence that the funds are being directed towards something which has actually got an outcomes-based understanding for which there are clear objectives and actions to deal to it. And you Mm. know that you are looking to get those results you're looking to get. But so those three things as a package are, to me, really the fundamental elements. Um, And that was well-recognised. That's been well-recognised right up until just recently with a publication by the Cawthron Institute with regards to what are the key factors that um, exist out there that uh, might be might be barriers or, or or things that are affecting the ability for catchment groups to really grow into something bigger, better, and you know are able to achieve their roles that they're looking to do. Yeah, and um, just on outcomes and measurables, is there any scientific evidence to support the work being done so far in catchment groups, or is it too early yet? Yeah, good question. In actual fact, there's a, there's a, the answer to it is yes, there is scientific evidence, but is it uh, irrefutable and is it really clear when you're perhaps looking at specific 
um, science-based outputs with regards to water quality results or biodiversity results, etc. It's not quite as clear. And even a lot of the research over the last 20 years hasn't really drilled in to nail down just that, I suppose, the effectiveness of these community groups, catchment groups related to that. But having said that, I think you can overdo the thinking around whether that is the, whether that's a, a nail in a coffin. I don't think that at all, because I think, I think Angus community group catchment group work is going to provide a whole range of results depending on what the objectives are and depending on who's doing the mm. uh, monitoring, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, um, if you looked around New Zealand at the many, many uh, groups that exist for a whole range of reasons, I bet you that they could supply a range of data and results that would give you confidence that they're moving in the right direction. Mm. Is it the direction that science might have wanted or is it going quick enough? I think the that's a question far too early to ask. And mm. I think it's actually a question that can be a barrier. Mm. Because if you're defining, if you put yourself into your own perspective, wherever you are, and you've got a community that's come together around a particular issue that's moved into a wider catchment suite of issues, and it's based on their values, it's based on, it's also incorporated uh, concepts within te ao Māori, etc. You're going to then potentially see a real change as to what is the actual outcome you're looking for. Mm. And, and so should science be the actual thing that defines what success likes? I'm not so sure. Mm. Yeah, I that... think there's a part to play for sure. And when we need science to inform us with potential targets and ways of seeing if we are addressing things, but I don't think it should consume the space to the degree that potentially it is at the moment. And I also think, Angus, that the science of social research and the science, and dare I say the non-science of our understanding our own well-being, is perhaps something that we need to still learn a lot about. And that's a really um, important subject at the moment. I take your point there, and I tend to agree. And of course, beyond the science and water quality, catchment groups increase biodiversity and they feed into the overall environmental management of the land. You touched on this earlier, and I share this uh, sentiment that I believe they hold the key to strengthen rural communities and indeed foster well-being within our farming communities. Oh, uh, you look, I won't shout you a beer on making that comment because you're so right. It, it you know, like fundamentally, um, and I take this from experience, whether the catchment group or community group has been mashed together from a uh, regional council perspective or uh, to Papa Atafai, or it's been pulled together by a group of uh, keen farmers, the, the, the thing that drives them and the thing that just you get a richness is that they are feeling like they own what they're doing and they get a sense of having, um, there's a pride that comes with that. And mm. all of what we're talking about, you, you know, starts to actually address this whole business of well-being. And, and I know myself, like yesterday, Angus, I was in the Rangatiki 
uh, catchment at Mungawika mm-hmm. uh, in a beautiful place called Islestone and met with a few farmers there to talk about uh, well, New Zealand Farm Assurance Program mm. and they came from the Rangatiki River Care uh, Collective and look they stayed the day um, you could sense um, you know the the I suppose the pressure that, that what they were feeling with regards to the subject matter we were talking about but also when you start to take the weight off um, uh, that subject, when you put it into a catchment perspective and the things that they can do to actually minimise um, the problems that they might foresee, like, for instance, if you've got a, a catchment group and you have to deal with some biodiversity issues, etc., well, instead of individualising the problem and individualising the cost, Look at maybe what it might be from a catchment perspective to hire someone who is actually doing that across the board to achieve a collective range of objectives. And that kind of really then starts to, to, to change the narrative around um, the problem you've got. And it gives farmers confidence that actually it's not such a big bloody thing that they're having to deal with after all. It's a shared issue. Mm. And that's just a little example. And so yeah. yesterday, you could see by the end of the day, actually they were pretty darn confident about what we were talking to them about as being something that'll give them really good, uh, you know, um, really good understanding of, of something that is quite complex at the moment um, with regards to the environmental issues and made, and made it a really simple way of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And you can share that. And then yeah. you have a beer afterwards or you have a non-alcoholic drink or whatever. You yeah. Know? Mm. Um, it's, it's just a, I just think a, a shared problem is a, is a shared way of dealing with something. Yeah. Do you think there'll be any financial benefit in the long term for farmers through this kind of work and through these programs? Oh, fundamentally, yes, there has to be. I just described one, really. Um, and thinking back to yesterday when we were talking about a range of the range of environmental issues that need to be dealt with on farm from you know, uh, water quality monitoring at site, doing an MCI and other other things at site with, with it, within a stream or doing pest control work, etc. Mm. You know yourself, Angus, there's an efficiency that comes with scale. Mm. Um, and so if a catchment can uh, understand what it needs to do and where it's going and then look to actually find funding to support work at scale, you get real efficiencies with that. Mm. And funders and uh, people who manage projects and stuff love these terms, efficiency and effectiveness. We're very, not very good at the moment of actually really trying to define that in a way of a financial benefit to farms. We're still pretty darn slack at really putting quantitative understanding around the financial benefits of a lot of things that can be done through catchment groups, community groups. Um, and some of their reason for that, I think, is because um, individual farms will do something in response themselves uh, as part of their commitment, and you, you don't really get a sense of what that financial value will be. Mm. Um, and it's the same as what the same reasoning as what I've just provided you from a whole of catchment. Yeah, I think we need to move more work in this space. But fundamentally, Angus, you'd have to think that there is a, a really solid financial gains from this and my final point would be that if if you've got a catchment group you've got those things in place that i've described then funders who put funding forward to you are actually giving you your financial gain because they're paying for something to be done that you would ultimately have been paying for 
Mm. So don't underestimate that because the, the scientists and other professionals who might come in to provide that work at various times are fairly expensive. They're mm. they a relatively new expensive element to a catchment group's work. So if MFE through a program can fund that, that, that shouldn't be ignored as a financial benefit. You touched on this earlier, just around policy. And of course, farmers have had a lot of policy thrown at them or certainly change uh, at them in the last couple of years. Firstly, is it too much? And are we hamstringing or hindering our greatest asset to this country, which in my view is our farmers? <laughs> That's a great question because the answers to that are, you, you, you know it's a problem. <laughs> it's, mm. um, yeah, definitely. Um, look, the, I've worked on both sides of the coin for a long time, I suppose, and the, the, the frustration I have as a fifth-generation New Zealand farming son is that, is that the farmers are up for it and they're up for doing things. That's their, I suppose, their makeup. The current way that we've been attacking, I suppose, the environmental problems in front of us has been through this one-dimensional siloed approach to each issue. Mm. And I've been around long enough to have moved from one issue to another over, mm. you know, the last 20 years. And all of the way through, when I've been on farm, because of my own way of, I suppose, understanding things, there's a, you know how complex it is. Mm. And you've got to run it through that complexity to actually then give it, make it, or make, get it to make sense for the farmer, the farm business, the farm team, and the professionals around them. And so at the moment, you know, we've been asked to do freshwater plans, right? Now we've been asked to do climate plan, climate mm. change plans. You know, um, probably there'll be a need for biodiversity plans. Mm. At the end of the day, Angus, all of those things come back to actually one solid understanding of your property from its natural resource space mm. as to what you're looking to do from your own uh, goals and business perspectives, which then actually taps into each one of those, but from a multitude of, of points. But you don't need to uh, come at it from a siloed perspective, mm. you know? you're doing erosion control work on the property because you've got a piece of landscape that needs some erosion control work you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that it's going to provide some level of benefits across multitudinal environmental issues mm. but at the moment government and um, those within the ministries and others just somehow haven't seemed to connect mm. in a sense and you might call it a holistic connection but I would just call it an understanding of what you're trying to achieve through the lens of a farmer and put it into that perspective. Mm. It would make it so much easier. And I'm afraid, well, I'm not afraid to say this, but I'm a, one of my professional working areas is farm planning and it's comprehensive farm planning. And the thing is, Angus, if you start with a understanding of the business from the business base, which is a bunch of natural resources, and you overlay that with a, a range of uh, questions that you may have relative to the farming system or forestry system, etc. You start to get a really solid picture for then how you can manage the environmental issues and problems that exist within the property. Because at the moment, 
the the opposite, which is all of these uh, individual uh, issues coming down, you're, you're seeing them land in a way which then doesn't allow you to actually understand its connection to something else on the property. And that, mm. to me, is a problem. And that's creating mayhem within farmers' well-being at the moment because mm. they're struggling to keep abreast of all of these things that are coming at them. You know, it's like... Instead of all getting on the same bus and going in the same direction, they've sent seven buses to pick you up seven times. Mm. doesn't make mm. sense. I totally agree with that. Simon, look, um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. Uh, thank you for your time and indeed thank you uh, for your thoughts. No, thanks, Angus. I really appreciate it. This current catchment series, I am really enjoying. You can feel the energy and the progress rural communities are making, both environmentally and importantly, socially. This truly is what I would call a genuine groundswell of positive activity. No government or authority can achieve what is currently happening within catchment groups. They are community initiatives driven by the community and in my view, if policymakers want to really help, I say to them, put some gumboots on, get along to a catchment group and see for oneself. Change comes from within and from the ground up, not a hammer from pencil pushers and a Wellington office. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.